up everybody this is uh drinks and dogs uh the return of it episode 26 as usual got my co-host here katie matthews what's up brother how you doing what's going on mike what's going on everybody good to be back season two that was a a conversation g and i were, were talking about um we're turning it into seasons so now we did we have 25 under our belt before we got all this uh new technology that uh took us about another solid week to understand i guess <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. you know I happy mean, to be <laughs> listen y- yellowstone has seasons and the seasons have themes so there's no reason why we can't follow suit that's true that is a very successful show as well how's uh how's everything been with you uh give me the updates what's going Um, on with uh, the midlife moto all that fun stuff you're up to oh man it's uh, as much as i want to say same old same old for me the same old means just all kinds of other new shit going on uh socratic canine still doing its thing still working with dog owners literally all over the world in my online program the canine blueprint i haven't really been putting a lot of effort into like, I don't market the thing, man. I mean, that's a whole separate topic that we're going to hit a lot of in season two here. <laughs> the marketing word. But, like, it's in cruise control. All my emphasis and time is going into my existing students and um, really creating, you know, awesome experiences for them. But I have, you mentioned the midlife moto, you know, been on my dirt bike a lot big mission for myself in terms of dealing with stress and fear and you know personal growth man that buying a dirt bike at 44 turned out to be and uh, and i just bought a harley too so all that stuff is over on the other instagram channel that i really haven't put much time into because i'm doing everything else like dog related and you know dude get it you think fine you think making good dog training videos is hard try making good video while you're riding a dirt bike like I can't tell you how many GoPro <laughs> attachments I've broken from hitting trees and flipping off. And I mean, it'd be cool if it was captured on film if like the GoPro wasn't flying through the air. I was gonna say all the the good uh, dirt bike or motorcycle videos I see are always like gnarly crashes with those freaking uh, the GoPro. You know, like the one they have with the 360, like that. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, I've GoPro seen that. Max or something. I, oh, isn't it called? Well, there's 360, which is not a GoPro proprietary. It's a completely different brand. Has the 360, but GoPro has their own version. I don't know what it's called because I think the other one is kicking their butt right now in terms of quality and stuff. I believe it. I had a the one big box one that's supposed to look like the little like, like the little globe. Like you hold a stick up and it kind of erases the stick, but it's like this yep. whole globe thing around it. And, um, yeah, the caveman in me decided to just give it to the media guys because I was getting irritated. <laughs> but, um, oh, dude, man, the setup on about... that technology stuff is crazy. The, the reason why I was bringing up the midlife moto is we talked about this before in a previous conversation is, you know, the that the, we, the reason why you started riding your motorcycle, motorcycle I really like, and I think that's super important, you know, and I wanted to bring it up, especially, like, on the reboot, uh, Drinks and Dogs. You know, so what uh, what encouraged you, what made you want to get into riding the dirt bike and now having the Harley and all that stuff? Well, I mean, I'd say the last 10 years of my life, I've been 
super obsessed with personal growth. Like, all right, we're going to take an inventory every day of myself and there is shit I want to change, right? Like there's like, there's no point in getting up every morning if I'm not doing something every day to be better than yesterday. And last year, well, I turned 44 and I, I remember I went on like a, just a walk. I don't, you can't call it a hike in Florida because there's no elevation. I refuse to, to refer to anything done in Florida as hiking. It's walking through the swamp. And I, I recall saying to myself, like, I just want to be outside more, you know, like I like being outside. What can I do to get me outside and also help me with some challenges? And it was like a light bulb went off. I said, dude, buy a dirt bike. Why? Well, my father told me as a kid I could never have them. Like, no, bad idea. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get arrested. And um, then I just kind of like walked away from the idea. Also, the idea of riding a dirt bike scared the shit out of me. I'm not one of those mechanically inclined, you know, kids that just hopped on a bicycle and was riding wheelies around. No, I'm uncoordinated and I've dealt with fear in various aspects of my life for my whole life. And now it's like this massive war assault on fear and like craving pressure and craving situations that force me to have to operate under as much stress as I can responsibly put on myself. And let me tell you something, getting on a dirt bike. And riding in like deep sugar sand with narrow trails where there's trees just like an inch outside of your handlebars. And the only solution to every problem you feel on the bike is more throttle. That forces you to deal with some shit, like some deep shit um, when you're wired the way I am. So it's been a, a pretty gnarly journey of personal growth, learning to deal with fear, learning to um, productively and functionally manage fear and stress in the moment because like you, you get that adrenaline rush, your butt puckers, um, you know, fine motor skills start changing a little bit, like, but you still have to function because otherwise you'll crash and die. So yeah, it's been <laughs> fun. I did my first race. I didn't come in last. Um, looking forward to race season coming up now. I got to start getting in shape. Uh, but yeah, that's the, it wasn't just a midlife crisis in the stereotypical sense of, Oh, like I'm going to do random shit. Like, no, I'm doing things that are going to force me to grow in areas I want to grow in. That's awesome. I love that, uh, that pressure, you know, that, uh, what you're saying is, you know, it's kind of, you're forcing yourself through pressure to get better. And, you know, that's still improving even at the ripe age or ripe young age of four, uh, 44. <laughs> yeah. Good save. Good save. <laughs> I'm getting better with my words, uh, talking to you more. <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> we you know, we just wanted to... some inappropriate ones, so watch yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I learned the good and the bad habits from, uh, from Katie. <laughs> so, going, you know, obviously you wanted to check in with you and everything like that. But, you know, let's talk about, you know, drinks and dogs. Um, what was the purpose of it when we first started it, you know, a couple of years ago? Uh, during the pandemic, you know, I think like you and I had a lot of great uh, offline conversations as well as a lot of great online com conversations. Uh, and a lot of it, you know, when we first started Drinks and Dogs was just about opening, you know, the conversation between trainers, 
you know, having people like, you know, the, you know, whatever, I guess the tagline I always say is, you know, having trainers talk to each other versus talk about each other and, you know, kind of build up the community. And one of the cool parts, you know, with the season one was talking to all these different trainers throughout the country, you know, not even, and I think you brought up, you brought this up too, was that it stopped becoming like a dog training conversation. We started having more lifestyle conversations, showing, sharing, you know, our life experiences, you know, what works for us, you know, what, you know, just like you talked about, like the midlife Emoto um, thing is, you know, we talked about, you know, you know, building perseverance, you know, changing just ways that we think and it just became an overall you know lifestyle podcast which i thought was really awesome because as we started getting ready to launch season two you know i was looking through some of our old because uh, we, we stream it pretty much all the time at the the facility the big facility um and i was like just listening to some of the conversations and i was like man i was like we started out talking about dogs and then we ended up talking about life and a bunch of different things you know we had a variety of different people on um you know anywhere from you know, dog trainers too. We had Frost, uh, you know, a very talented, like multiple degree Krav Maga, um, you know, guy. And then, you know, we even talked to Rampage, you know, Quentin Rampage Jackson, which was pretty awesome um, towards the end there. Um, but I'm really digging what we put out there and, you know, even the stuff that you and I've talked about as far as what we're preparing for uh, round two or, or season two here. But um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? What are you looking forward to or what do you... What do you lo- uh, love about the drinks and dogs, and what are you looking forward to uh, coming up in season two? I'm looking forward to kind of hitting a different stride with season two, and what I mean by stride is just the the rhythm to the the nature of the show. I mean, let's face it, season one was like that was our fuck it, let's do it, fuck it, let's try this, fuck it, let's record some conversations, and we did, and we had a lot of fun. And we learned a lot of things in the process. Um, I'm really excited for season two to, for us to be able to maybe double down a little bit on some of the of the more tangible. Tangible isn't the fucking word. Like within reach concepts for everyone. Like I felt like we opened the door last season to talking about things other than specifically dog training, right? And I, I wanted the season two, I, I want to see more of that. I mean, I say I want to see it. I mean, I have, you know, you and I have direct control over it, so we will. But, like, I'm excited to participate in some more down-to-earth discussions where we can, you know, we're more comfortable in this format. We're more comfortable doing this. And, and I, I want trainers and dog owners alike to be able to hear things that are within reach for them, things that they can relate to, and at the same time, things that if they process the information in the right state of mind, they can walk away from an episode with something to work on. They can walk away with something, you know, how about this, not even to work on, they can walk away from an episode with something to think about. Like that's my mission for season two, is that in very organic and candid conversations, Whoever it is, whether it's a dog trainer, dog owner, dog, you know, talented dog handler, you know, I want them to be able to walk away from every fucking episode with something to think about and reflect on. Whether they agree with it or not, irrelevant, but they're thinking. No, I, I love that. I mean, I think 
that's one of the like the beauties of like you know podcasts like this and you know just things that we're trying to do like you said just like just giving people insight giving someone a different perspective just through genuine conversations of you know people you know talking about stuff right so i think like that's something that like i'm looking forward to bringing into uh drinks and dogs um and you know obviously we have another podcast that we'll be talking about later um later on in this show but I'm really looking forward to kind of giving people different insights, different points of view, uh, all of that. Uh, but before we get into some more conversation, I got to make sure that, and this is something I have to get better at than last season, is you know shouting out our sponsors. Um, so huge shout out to Ray Allen uh, Manufacturing. Uh, we, as you guys who probably followed us, you know they just sponsored Canine uh, Street League for our third trial. Um, and they are, you know, a huge supporter of Primal Canine. I've done a bunch of products with them, so make sure you guys check out rayallen.com um, forward slash canine sl, and then use the Primal Ten code. Also, uh, shout out to, and I'm gonna set, or we're sending this out to you this week, KD. Um, the from Margaritas to Go, the shines like gold Reposado tequila. Um, last when we when we attempted to film uh, last week, I. Uh, I didn't drink any of the, during the time we were filming, but after, um, considering what we and I went through, uh, I took a couple shots of it, and it's pretty damn, <laughs> pretty damn good. So I'm looking forward to getting your review. And also, I found out something about you last week too that you were you're a tequila connoisseur. So uh, I'm pumped to have you out here, um, so we can actually go to Margaritas and meet up with, uh, and meet up with a Marco and get all of that. I have a very colorful history with tequila. That's how I will characterize my experience. A very colorful history. Right. So this is this is the the tequila here. So everyone can check it out. <laughs> that uh, you know, Katie will Katie and I will be talking about. So again, shout out to Marco over at uh, Margaritas to Go in Morgan Hill. So check those guys out if you're a local and if you're really into tequila. Some good stuff there. And then uh, last but not least, you know, one of our other sponsors is the Canine University. Uh, where it's our online, you know, I guess it's an online training university. I do tons of different courses on there. We also have Nesbeth on there, Michael Nesbeth, uh, you know, one of our first uh, guests, KD, uh, who we'll have on here as well, uh, amongst a large variety of very talented trainers. So make sure you check out the Canine University as well. Um, so going on to kind of some of the topics that we've talked about before and not kind of just blowing our load on the first uh, episode here and you brought something up to you where we talked because this is something I, I had to deal with after our last trial um, and I think it's something that's important for people who are in dog training who are not even dog trainers but people who have pets and just life in general is a uh, is dealing with burning out so and the reason why I wanted to bring this up because I want because a conversation I've had with a, a variety of people in the last month and a half and this last week a lot of people have been messaging me about things uh, about you know how do they deal with their burnouts and how do they I guess mitigate not having one or you know finding the balance there and you know Katie you and I have talked uh, a variety of times and you know balance is not something that uh I have <laughs> in general it's pretty much no you, down. you suck at it dude yeah <laughs> you suck I am not good like, at that's that that's a future strength of yours yeah <laughs> So, you know, those are all things that, you know, kind of going into what people consider burning out. Um, for me in the beginning, when I first started my career, uh, I noticed that it were, there were times where I would go like five or six months super hard and then I would just get mentally and physically fatigued and I would just be t 
toast for you know two three weeks sometimes a month depending on what was going on in my life and it's not like i was like you know dead to the world but it was just things that where i was just like it was, it was a lot more of a struggle to get through uh and you know we just went through it with um the street lead trial this last one you know we we put a lot on our you know on our plate uh for trial three and then you know the adding stressors even though we have a great relationship with ray uh, ray allen um, you know it all kind of compiled with adding you know that on top of sideshow you know a bunch of different things so that was about a few weeks especially after being sick uh, of being burnt out and you know a lot of times when people ask me like how, how do you guys deal with how do you deal with burning out i'm like i just I mean i don't have a i don't speak as eloquently as a kd here um, but you know i just tell people like you know you just got to be aware of it you got to maximize your highs you got to minimize your lows and do what fits best for you because you know for me it doesn't really work out for everybody, you know, because I'm constantly just go, go, go. And then, you know, then I, you know, burn out for a little bit. But I understand it's a temporary thing. It doesn't necessarily affect me on a permanent basis. Um, and it's just something where, like I said, you know, I try to maximize my highs and I, I minimize my lows. Um, but yeah, Katie, what is your insight on the, the topic of, you know, burning out specifically? Well, it's something that in, in the field, of dog training, right? Especially pet dog training. It's super common. It's super common. It's not talked about nearly as frequently as it needs to be. And, you know, you and I have talked numerous times about burnout in very different contexts. You and I have had very personal conversations where I'm looking at you saying, Mike, knock it off. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're working too hard here. You need this. You need that. We've had those conversations. And we've also had other conversations just about we need to talk more about the business side of being a canine professional because burnout is real. And the way that I see people talking about being a professional in this industry in the last maybe year or two, the way I've seen people talking about it, I'm very concerned about the for the new trainers because some of the things and ideas that are being said and circulated and endorsed are pretty fucking toxic for new trainers, and it's going to set them up for some massive issues. You know, how do you avoid burnout? The same way you do in any other business, it just hours depending on your business model is a little different. You know, for those folks who are taking boarding trains in, you know, I, I think they're probably the most susceptible to this because when you're taking animals into your home, there, there's a reason why I don't really do it anymore, like at all, yeah. except for rare occasions. And then I end up keeping the fucking dogs. Um, but <laughs> both, <laughs> both the dogs I have right now were client dogs that never left. But anyway, um, like that that whole boarding train model, and, and we should – eventually and i'm sure we will do we'll do a whole episode just on breaking some of these business models down to help the people that are out there but that it's really th those are the folks i'm concerned for those are the dog trainers i'm concerned that i want to get help to because you know that having these animals in your house is such a massive amount of mental and emotional stress outside of the logistics of it if you're a responsible ethical person having someone else's animal in your home 24 7 even when you're sleeping that burden and that weight is there. So it's it's really essential that people have other things in their life that they do, like go buy a dirt bike. 
<laughs> go by, you know, start, you know, working out, go for a walk without a dog, you know, have some friends that aren't in the freaking industry. Most of my day-to-day friends are, have nothing to do with dogs. And I'm so appreciative of that because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I really don't like talking about what I do. Um, and most of the time uh, with just randos or even friends, but you know, the good news is friends don't listen to you anyway. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Hold on. Sidebar. And I know people, you and I have never talked about this. So I'm going to ask you right now, like, is it just me or is it like friends and family are the, like the least likely to ask for help up front. They usually go fuck everything up. And then they sh- they slink up to you afterwards and kind of ask for help and then want to, like, debate you on what you did. Like, I have complete strangers who have more respect for me and what I do than, like, friends and family. It, have you have you run into that at all? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty common. That's why I hate training, like, friends' dogs or, like, giving advice or, you know, anything in general. I mean, like, a lot of my friends... Uh, who have dogs I will never have those conversations with them I just like alright here's your membership to the canine university don't ask me anything and then if you do like please refer to the video that I just sent to you for this specific reason um, and then after then you know you get like you said kind of slicking back like like oh like this didn't work out like what happened I'm like I was like yeah, well there there you go <laughs> you know okay. you brought up a good ask. point yeah you brought up a, a like a good point. I wanted to kind of touch on it before we kind of went down the rabbit hole. Was that you said you know they're like especially with boarding trains, and I've seen a lot of trainers switch to a day training format so dogs don't necessarily come home. Um, but you know especially with boarding trains, you know dogs don't take weekends off. They don't take vacations. You know it is very much an open your eyes, close your eyes type of work schedule like you know there's a quote that i read i posted a while ago is you know i don't work a nine to five i work a when i open my eyes to when i close my eyes thing and like you said you know when you if you're an ethical dog trainer and you have boarding trains you know another person's pet uh in your care you know you're gonna feel that weight no matter how long you've been doing this i mean for us you know we ran you know i primal canine's about to be 10 um, prior to Primal Canine, I had, you know, the Mike Jones, you know, dog training. And, you know, so let's say 10 years we've been taking on boarding trains. And it's still the matter of which dog comes in care to me, to one of my staff, to when we were at a kennel system. It was still a, a large weight because, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you get used to carrying the weight. But then that's also kind of like you said, finding things throughout the day. And I, and I, I preach this to my guys finding things throughout the day to give you those little mental breaks. You know, like for me, it's running copious amount of while, miles in the morning and, you know, lifting weights and then trying to find minutes to shoot my bow or hang out with my, my daughter or, you know, spend time with Aaron and have conversations where that are not dog-related or business-related. And even then, you know, I still have moments of where I'm like, fuck. I'm burning the fuck out. <laughs> and then I, I, I realize it quicker than I did, you know, even a year ago. And I, I have different, you know, things I do now to make sure I don't fully burn out. Um, 
like I like I did at Street League, but that was kind of one of a those one of those weird perfect storm things where you just get nailed yeah. with a sickness and then everything kind of happens. Um, but I you know as far as like you know some of the toxic things that you're seeing in the the industry, especially for new trainers, uh, what like what are you particularly like you know seeing like what are you what are you um I guess what are some of the ones what are the top ones that we should talk about in this episode? You know, I, I think there's there's two that jump right out at me, and I'll take a you know of course there will be shit people can say about what I'm about to say, but <laughs> I'd have to give a shit what they think first for that to matter. Uh, you know, it's right now. There's a lot of chatter coming from people who are bad at business. And it's almost like this, like rationalization for being mediocre, or rationalization justification for being subpar. You know, it's become this badge of honor to be bad at business in the world of dog training. And what I mean is this: like people bragging about how they don't know how to market. Like, where? Where do they do that at? Like, what other industry, what other business do, like, people brag about being bad at business? You know why they're bragging? Because they're trying to validate the fact that they suck at it. And it's become this very, it's toxic, man. It's toxic. Oh, you don't need to market. Huh? What? Let your work speak for itself. (laughs) Okay, but how, how do people see your work? Marketing. You know, people are like, oh, I just post on social media. Yeah, that's called content marketing. There's an actual fucking name for it. So when you're saying you don't market, but you post on social media regularly, you're either ignorant or you're a liar. You're either ignorant of what content marketing is, or you're a liar by saying you don't market when you're content marketing regularly. So what happens is new people come in and they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to know about marketing, I guess. Talk about burnout. You know, another factor of burnout, we first addressed the lack of balance, meaning like people aren't taking time for themselves. They're not taking vacations. They're not taking this. Well, then you go and you see like these old farty darty dog trainers bragging about, I haven't, I don't know how to spell vacation. Oh, and like, I'm supposed to look up to you. You fucking suck. If you don't take vacations, why the hell would I want to be like you? Why would I want to model anything I do after your crotchety, old, grumpy, non-vacation having, you know, barely able to scrape together money to pay rent or maybe a mortgage or whatever, and then they're bragging about how much they do it for the dogs. And it's like, this is messed up. Like, Like, this is not okay. This is not okay at all. And I get where some people are coming from, and that is there, you know, this is an unregulated industry, right? So we all know there are people who call themselves dog trainers, and for those who are going to see a video replay of this, you'll see my air quotes, um, and those who are listening to this on Spotify and all the other wonderful channels, yeah, I'm making faces and doing air quotes whenever I say dog trainer, because anybody can freaking call themselves a dog trainer, yep. and 
there are people in our industry who should not be anywhere near dogs. There are people in our industry who can barely teach a dog to sit by holding a, food, a cookie in front of them, let alone deal with severe behavior problems or even getting a dog to come when called under distraction. We know that there are people out there in the world making lots of money who can barely train a dog. That is not a rationalization to say, don't be good at marketing. You shouldn't be good at marketing because those assholes are good at marketing. If anything, that means you need to be even better at it to comp to deal with. And if you're a good, competent, ethical dog trainer and you truly change people's lives by helping them and their dogs, but no one knows you exist, where's the where's the honor in that? Where where's the what like you're morally superior because like you suck at marketing but you're good with dogs well how many dogs are you helping if no one knows you exist so sorry that one right there just gets me fired up oh no i i completely get it and this is something that you know i've had this discussion about before you know it's it's one of those things like you like you say like you know people use it as a crutch you know you always hear it's like oh it's just fancy marketing it's just they must not be training that many dogs if they have time to do this or all these different things. But like, you know, you said too, is that it's not an excuse to be bad at business. You know, dog, you know, dog, you know, dog training professional, I'm going to use the Katie's air quotes, which that'll be a new merch idea. Um, just air quotes by Katie and a mustache. That'll be a drinks and dog shirt. <laughs> Take notes, guys. <laughs> Drop coming soon. Um, but I, I do think... <laughs> It is. It's an excuse, you know. People say these things, you know, and they, like you said, it became a badge of honor. And that was one of those things that we originally talked about in Drinks and Dogs was that, like, you know, people were just like, you know, shunning new trainers who were trying to come out with good content, you know, well done content, and you know, you know, kind of just being like, oh, you know, you don't need that type of stuff. But in reality, you know, if you want to be a professional in whatever it is that you're doing, it is a full circle. You know, you do should know about marketing whether it's you know content marketing or whether it's you know this different social media types of marketing just you know all the things that are are there you know we do that we have our own company on it called war room where we assist you know small businesses you know build up like you know their marketing uh, whether it be local whether it be guerrilla or it be online or social you know we focus a lot about that and exp you know, basically expose the the value of being good at that because like i you know was joking around earlier and you know, people talking about let your work speak, but in a world that's becoming decreasingly in person and more active online and videos and all this other stuff, then how are these people gonna know that you're good at your job, you know, versus you know word of mouth or whatnot on a you know grander scale, other than being good at marketing and showing your work. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, people always think that if it's fancy marketing or these videos or, you know, pictures all are all great, you know, and it's, and I think this is something that's been ingrained by some of the, you know, the older heads in dog training where they're like, Oh, they must be hiding something that just because they're doing this, they're just, you know, polishing this up to make it look better than it is. When in reality, you know, I know a lot of people who produce a lot of great content um, and I'll just use, you know, the social media platform, as an example where they're just making things look cooler and make making things look better and their training is good 
and they're just showing some of the highlights, what I, which I think is good, you know, because a lot of times, you know, people talk crap about people just showing the highlights, you know, and just putting those online and not being realistic and transparent. But how do you know that's not being realistic and transparent for that person? You know, for us, you know, on my personal, my personal brand, and I'll use, you know, brand, um, you know, as, as a word for what I'm doing online with our stuff, you know, I'm extremely transparent. Uh, I show... Every, I talk about pretty much everything on there. I show, you know, things in my real life uh, with my daughter, my fiance, my personal dogs, our business. And I'll also, you know, reference some of the, you know, crazier things that happen in the industry. You know, when when our company was going through a lot of drama in, uh, in San Jose with the county and everything, you know, we we utilized and I don't want to say it was I guess it's, it is marketing, but not marketing with an intent. It was essentially just I use our our platforms as a way to be transparent so who people who are interested in getting into the dog world or you know who are looking for something of like more realistic people can see that and be like oh hey like you know primal's dealt with that or mike's done this dealt with this or whatever it may be and it's you know not indirectly marketing but still sharing our story to kind of help people and i talked to um you know howard and rich from working dog depot podcast and you know one of the things that you know rich had said He's like, you know, the more that we try to help and service people, the luckier that we get or they get, right? So I look at that as far as like, you know, the transparent marketing is, you know, we're talking about things like even what we're talking about now, you know, we're, we're talking about things not to like bag on anybody, but to kind of give people a different insight or perspective to, you know, burning out, to being in the in this, this industry, who, like you said, is unre- unregulated. You know, it's kind of one of these things like where you're like, you're watching one person do this, you're watching another company do that. And you're like, okay, like this is kind of the path I want to go. And I, you know, I think it's important to have these discussions because it is, you know, I think that's something as a, as a new kitty air quotes, dog trainer. Um, it's important to be good <laughs> at business. Like there should be no pride in being shitty at business. Cause like you said, how are you going to afford, you know, the stuff that this life, that you need in this life, right? Yeah, and, you know, and I've had some people, you know, colleagues that I have an alliance with where we can, you know, we have rapport that we can have conversations, you know, and I've had some some t- people ask me some tough questions, but the tough questions are the, the fun ones, as are the good ones. And they're like, so this person, because I work with dog trainers one-on-one. I have n- numerous dog trainers I work with um, on various elements of their business in addition to like dog training most of it's like how to work with humans and how to structure their business and you know i've had some other folks saying you know well how do you know that you know you're helping them not with dog training you're helping them grow their business shouldn't they be working on being better dog trainers and you know that's the and i've heard that more than a couple times that's this it's kind of like a straw man argument like it's like well why can't they do both now here's the thing what does it take to work on your dog training skills? All right, well, that means going to seminars, apprenticing, traveling. So, I mean, what I did, I traveled a lot, you know, 15, 20 years ago before really the internet was a tool. You know, it was, you know, let me go hang out with this person. Let me go watch this person train. You know, okay, I'm especially back, you know, then I was doing a lot of bite work. So, I mean, it was like getting the shit kicked out of you at club, working all the dogs nobody wanted to work. And learning why no one wanted to work them um you know it, it was like paying your dues right well 
people are like, well, how are these people, these new trainers, aren't they should be working on their craft? And I'm like, yes, they should. I agree with that. I do not deny that. I'm not taking away from that. I'm just going to present a different perspective, and that perspective is this. How can they afford to work on their craft, both financially and with time, if they are overbooked because they don't have a healthy pricing structure, if they are overworked because their entire sales funnel and marketing plan involves them answering every single message anytime it comes through to their phone. And any spare time they have is spent staring at a blank television screen trying to decompress for 10 minutes before they have another dog to deal with. When are they working on their craft there? I mean, I, I get it. I, I'm with you. I'm with you, person, whoever you are. I'm with you. They do need to work on their craft. They do need to travel and go to seminars. How can they do that when they don't know how to spell vacation because their business model is so fucking flawed and they're not bringing in enough net revenue? Like, how can they work on their craft and go to these seminars? Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not saying... I'm not saying anything other than I'm just presenting a different perspective on that. Now, I will say this. Anybody who's brought that position to me, that argument to me, they can't say shit after I say that. Like, there's nothing else to say. I shut it the fuck down with that. Like, there's nothing to say other than do you trust me? You know, do you think I'd work with a piece of shit? Do you think I'd work with someone who I believed was unethical? Um, no, I wouldn't. So if that's a personal issue, then we shouldn't even be talking. Like, if you think I'm that type of person, then why are we having this conversation? Because we shouldn't even be friends. No, definitely. I mean, and what's, uh, I mean, because I'll use, like, an example, like, at Primal, right? So, like, all my guys can make their own schedules. You know, we have a funnel of clients. We put that, put clients where they need to go, who, you know, fits best with what. But they can make their own schedule. And I encourage, you know, all of my staff really to be able to like go to go check out this seminar go do you know freaking try to do this decoy sir whatever just expand their knowledge other than what i teach them because a lot of the times when i'm when i'm teaching you know apprentice or whatever it may be i'm teaching them to do the job that i need them to do directly you know to expand their knowledge something that's outside of what they're going to do with the normal pet clients we have i'm like go ahead go take that seminar but the only way they can go to those seminars and do these trials is for the structure of the stuff that we've built through, you know, creating like you, all the things you mentioned, but you know, the root of things and how people come to us other than word of mouth is through our marketing, the, what we put out there, you know, things that, you know, five, six years ago, when I first tried out Primal Canine or, you know, no, nine years old Primal Canine, like a lot of people were talking shit about because we did fancy marketing. You know, I think that's an interesting thing, but, you know, those great points and stuff like that you brought up, too, because you got to be able to do both, you know, especially out here or all the elements, really. We can't even we don't want to get into the rest of uh, running a dog training business until uh, another episode where we got way more time. <laughs> well, there's you know, I think we could let's end that part of the dialogue with this. Like, there's nothing to brag about grinding. And the grind, the word grind has become so freaking cliche, like grind. We got to grind. Now, is there a time and a place to grind? 
you better believe it. When I built Socratic Canine, this internet-based business, you know, I did it while also teaching public school. Yeah, I had a full-time job. I mean, I worked 16 to 18 hours a day, seven days a week for a long time. And I suffered because of it. My body suffered immensely because of it um, from being seated behind desks so, so often, right? I don't do that shit now. And I started another company too, which does involve me having to sit behind a desk. So because I started another company unrelated to dogs, you know, and I do have to be seated a lot in front of a computer. Oh, well, now you better believe I'm making sure I'm up doing things. Like grinding, like not knowing what a vacation is, that's not a brag or a flex. Isn't that what the kids call it these days? That's I a weird flex. flex or something like people that. say yeah. that. They're like, oh, that's that your flex? Like, okay, so not knowing what a vacation is, that's a bullshit flex. Saying you grind nonstop 18 hours a day, seven days a week, that's a bullshit flex. I I, I don't know anybody who'd want to be you if you don't know what a vacation is. I don't know anybody who'd want to be you if you don't go off and enjoy the fruits of your labor. So, yeah, let's look at this in terms of like, how do I want to spend my life? How do I want to be fulfilled and happy? And that's a fundamental element of building a business is understanding that that business exists to provide you and your family with a life that actually puts a smile on your face. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that in the sense of like, you know, because like for me and like a lot of the stuff that like I do, it's like, because I, you know, I always talk to my guys. I'm like, you know, it's like it's, you know, when you get here and you start working, you know, like we work like, like this is an everyday type of thing, but it. it like you said, you mentioned it too. It's what do you like? What does that individual person find? Like it's like happiness to them. You know, what is their? What gives them that release? What gives them that like that? Like almost like that motor to keep going forward. You know, to keep you know doing things. And like for me, like you know, we do. We find our own little trips here and there, and like that that we can do. You know, but it's also you know I think about it. That you know, which helps me with less burnout too. Is that like because I don't think about myself in that sense. It's like, you know, the life I can provide for, you know, my fiance, for my daughter, for my staff, for all my guys like that, you know, and that to me is, you know, is a rejuvenating thing um, and helps me kind of deal with a lot of these little things that happen uh, in this industry and, you know, and in this business and, you know, especially when you're working a lot of stuff, especially when you have multiple, you know, a saying that you always, ha- you always say is like, you know, irons in the fire, you know, like when you have all these things, you know, just because you put one down doesn't mean they all go down. That means one other one gets picked up, you know, and then, you know, it kind of goes from there. So finding these tiny little like gaps in there, you know, to enjoy is super important, uh, at least for me. And, you know, at least what I try to preach to my guys about doing all that stuff. But if you're uh, not smiling, what's the freaking point? Unless you're not, unless you don't smile like you're me. Did you see that? Uh, that uh, what was that guy's name who just fought Izzy, um, who like TKO'd him in like the fifth round? Pereira, 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 Pereira. I can't. It's, I can't pronounce you it. You know what yeah, I'm talking about, right? Memes going around of like what he looked. Yeah, those yeah. memes are hilarious, by the way. Oh, dude, I've been fucking dying every time I see him. People just started sending me things. But uh, the reason I brought that up is because like they posted this thing. It's like his face from like happy. Like all the emotions, sad, angry, ecstatic, and it's all that it's all the same. same. Yeah. 
normally do. That's like that's like me and my voice. It's happy, sad, mad. It all did you, sounds the same. Did you watch that fight? Did you watch yeah, that card? Yeah. It was pretty. I was. It almost well. At least let's say the Izzy fight. It did seem like he was fighting afraid. Like he was a little bit yeah, of because afraid. That dude has his number. And the same punch, right? Yeah. The like, same check I, left hook. Okay, I didn't watch the fight, but I was already like, if I would have put a friendly five bucks down, as much as I like watching, is you know, Adesanya like watching him fight. He is a highly talented, you know, a very skilled champion, no doubt about it. No, like no questioning that. But big butt, I would have put a friendly five bucks against him, for one reason and one reason only. The dude's already beat him twice in different contexts. Psychologically, that's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Was, uh, huge. The with their first fight, they fought in Brazil, and I guess Izzy was winning or won. But then I guess the judges or something like that were worried about like getting murdered in Brazil for choosing Izzy over the other guy. And then, because I didn't watch any of them, I've just watched the countdown and listened to the Joe Rogan uh, show. Um, I actually wa- listened to it before we got here. We was talking about like Stevo, um, but he. And then the second one, he was winning the first two rounds or something like that. And the last round, he got knocked out. And then this one, you know, he was essentially it was three to one going into the fifth round, and whatever the last minute or so, just got that left check hook and kind of went on a. He's a little wobbly. You know what I watched the other night for the first, like, watched the whole card for the first time. I've never watched an entire card. Was uh, BKFC? Oh, nice. The bare knuckle, the bare knuckle fighting league championship, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what? I liked it. It brought a whole different element to things of reality in terms of you can't swing the same way, you can't hit the same way. It's different. I mean, it's bare knuckle, and it's pretty. That was fun to watch, man. It was, it was an enjoyable. It was a different style of boxing. You know, it's it's very much rooted in Western boxing, but with a couple different rule. Like you can clinch, you can cut, you can dirty box, so you can get an arm over someone and you can work them a little bit. Um, you know, there there's a, there's certain realities. That that might like mimic that a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into that, but uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't need any makeup today. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mike will get that. Mike will get yeah. that joke. Nobody else. Inside will. jokes, guys. But, and, and it's supposed to be that way. Inside <laughs> jokes. Um, you know, it was it was fun to watch. It was definitely fun to watch. I still haven't seen like a broadcasted version. I've seen like the highlight ones. I really liked like the highlight, and then even watching you know the just the different tactics, like way more arm punching, you know, trying to burn them out a little bit, you know, hitting you know elbows up, trying to get around certain things, just a little. Because a lot of times it, you know, when I've had conversations with people, because you know people who don't know, like I used, to, I was a professional boxer and I you know taught boxing at a gym I had, but um, you know when they talk about like you know it's more like. I guess like more cruel or like inhumane or like these are guys who can't box. They're just like, you know, barroom brawlers type of a thing. And in some cases, you know, maybe you got some tough guy competition, you know, guys like that. 
But in reality, like in bare knuckle fighting, you know, you don't got, you know, big pillows on. You don't even got like, you know, the four ounce MMA gloves. Like you got some wrist wrap, your thumb is wrapped. Is like, and, and a lot of these times, you know, it look, like a good example is uh, what's that guy, the one there, one like says I look like, but he has a smush nose, uh, Mike Perry. Like if you watch some of like how he, he punches and like how he's training, you know, these guys are training like it is a technical thing because they're punching at arms. They're hitting parts of the body that don't have, you know, heavy bone. You know, it's not constantly head hunting or at least going forward. A lot of the things are looping around trying to hit soft contact because, you know, you if you ever punch someone in the head as hard as you can and you hit that forehead you know your your hand is going to break and you will deal with a large amount of pain depending on how bad your break is for uh for your rest of your life i mean like for me i have a freaking a bone sticking up right here in my right hand and right when the weather changes and it gets cold like sometimes my right hand and my left hand is super hard for me to close and it's kind of like you have to warm them up you know and that's you know, just from normal fighting and let doing it on a professional level, bare knuckles. So I got a lot of respect for the people that are out there um, in that, in that world, because I mean, shoot, man, you get some, you, you watch some of the before and after uh, photos of these people competing, you know, they're sliced up, you know, hands are destroyed. Like they're, I mean, they're to wonder why they're getting, you know, bigger paychecks because I mean, shit, man, they're putting, they're putting uh, their body on the line. Even if it is, you know, just with the hands, you can do some permanent damage to yourself, you know, by smashing your hands or, you know, major cuts that will consistently reopen if you're in that type of field. So yeah, the shout out yep. to the was it BKFC, right? Those guys. BKFC, yeah. It's always the unique uh, conversations. Last time we talked about it, then we talked about like OnlyFans or something like that, and like this time we're talking about BKFC. Oh right? I, yeah, we were, somehow <laughs> we ended up talking about. Oh, I remember how because like. People talk about dogs and being a dog trainer and, like, they think you play with puppies. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we talked like, about. People, people people, don't know, like, necessarily what a dog trainer – wait, hold on. Air quotes. I'm doing air quotes again. <laughs> dog trainer does, you know, and they think for a lot of people, oh, you just play with dogs. And it's like, no, and I likened it to, like, unless you do something, you don't know what it is. Like, I got a buddy who does OnlyFans. Him and his old lady make – they do well. Let's almost say they do well, very well. And I remember I said to him, quite frankly, I bet your job sucks. No pun intended. <laughs> um, and he kind of looked at me. He's like, why do you say that? I'm like, well, number one, I bet you every other dude you know is like, oh, bro, I bet your job's awesome. I bet that's so awesome. And I can see why people would think it's awesome. Like, duh. But I like to try to think a little deeper than superficial reality. I like to explore the the meaning behind things. And I'm like, dude, I bet your job's horrible. Like, I wouldn't want to have to do this thing that should be a fun and pleasurable, both physically and emotionally and however you want to look at it. And like, but you have to do it because you have to do it. And now, like, there's variables involved. There's, there's, it's not just a natural thing being done. It's, there's pressure, there's timelines, there's all kinds of variables that have nothing to do with the natural occurrence of the activity itself. I'm using those generic terms so that we can completely swap this over to dog training. Like, <laughs> if you don't, you know, it's cool to play with a dog. Sure. I can, I can be at a friend's house and 
teach that dog to do some rather fun, cool shit after having a couple beers and just fucking around with the dog. And they're like, how'd you get the dog to do that? I'm like, I was just playing with him. But I know how to structure play. So it's a learning experience. Well, they think that's what dog training is. They don't realize all the other variables that go into play with having a dog at your home, having a stranger's dog at your home, blah, 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 blah. There's money involved. There's timelines involved. There's other dogs in your home. There's all these other variables that make it not that fun thing that you thought it was. And like the same thing with, you know, porn. And he and he after he kind of questioned me as to what I meant by it, he's like, you know what? You're exactly right. Like <laughs> it does change everything. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Again, no pun intended. Those puns are not intentional. Like I just everything I say has could be twisted into some type of pornographic Flows. meaning. Um it 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 is. You know, it but you know, it's not what you think it is. And it's not, you know, in the world of dog training uh, people, they don't know they don't know. They don't know they don't know. And that comes possibly from a lack of, you know, transparent conversations such as the type that take place on Drinks and Dogs, especially that will take place on season two of Drinks and Dogs. Um, you know, hopefully we can get even non-dog trainers listening to this show and and possibly learning how they can be better clients for the dog trainer they do hire. You know, as we bring this episode, you know, towards a close, you know, things people should look forward to reasons why they should subscribe, not only because we have, you know, awesome sponsors, not only because there's there's big, bad, sexy Mike Jones over there, um, but like well, we're going to give you some stuff to think about. Whether you're a dog trainer wanting to become better at your craft, become a more competent business owner so you can enjoy the fruits of your labor, or whether you're a dog owner who doesn't yeah. know how to pick a dog trainer. Let's talk about that one day. Let's Definitely. talk about how they can become good clients for the people they do choose to hire. Let's talk about you know all the dangers of YouTube and, and, and all the other content that's out there. Let's help educate the dog owner so they can make better decisions regarding their dog. Let's help educate dog trainers so they can make better decisions about serving and helping dog owners. Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, kind of goes into the next thing I was saying here is, you know, the things we're looking forward to in season two in drinks and dogs, you know, everything that Katie said, you know, kind of branching this out, not necessarily for dog trainers or, you know, pet owners, but just things that you can take away from these normal, natural, transparent conversations for your daily life. Um, but yeah, uh, as we wrap this up, KD, I'm happy to be uh, doing this with you again, brother. Looking forward to all the Hell uh, yeah. conversations Stoked. and all the things we may or may not remember uh, after an episode. So <laughs> looking forward to that, brother. Um, on that note, I got to say a big thank you to our sponsors, uh, RayAllen.com, guys. They have everything under the sun when it comes to your dog training, dog handling, decoy needs. Go on the RayAllen.com. Uh, look up uh, the K9SL page on there. Use the Primal10 code. Also, if you uh, are on the Instagram or the Facebook, I don't know if he's on the TikTok, but uh, harass Matt Wilson. He's the guy with the, the the mustache. He's trying to compete with KD about KD for, or that was the time. I cut mine off up. so he could have the limelight. It's time for the younger guys to to shine a little bit. <laughs> I've had my glory. over the torch. 
Yeah. So shout out. <laughs> I'm generous. I'm a generous, considerate guy. So shout out to uh, Matt Wilson and the Ray Allen crew. A uh, shout out to Margaritas to Go, um, Marco and their tequila. This one right here. Katie will be talking about this once we get him his bottle out there. Uh, the Shines Like Gold, Anejo, and Reposado. Um, if you are in Morgan Hill, make sure you stop at Margaritas to Go. Next time KD comes down here, we do our Drinks and Dogs on a Deck special. Uh, we will be uh, visiting Marco, so that'll be a fun one. Um, and the K9 University for all your online you know, training uh, needs from a variety of different great trainers throughout the industry. KD, where can people uh, get a hold of you? the number one place they need to go everybody needs to go to my instagram if you don't have an instagram fucking make one it's worth it my instagram is easy it's at k d matthews with one t get me on instagram you can get me everywhere else or you can go to my business socratic canines homepage, which is www.socraticcanine spelled out c-a-n-i-n-e not the letter k not the letter nine i don't do that shit anymore um SocraticK9.com, we can get you set up. But definitely hit me up on Instagram first and foremost. Highly advise you guys following Katie's Instagram. It is great, not just for the dog training content or get to use, get to see the devastating, good-looking older <laughs> gentleman right there, but just in general. Older, what the great. fuck? What the, oh, you, that was, you just snuck one in at the last minute. Like, I don't even have time to roast you back. Uh, you'll you'll get me a bunch this season. I'm pretty positive. Usually how it works. I'm just starting to get good at this thing from talking to this guy all the time. Um, but again, guys, uh, this is pre-Thanksgiving. It should be released before. So happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. Hope you're enjoying your family. KD, you as well. I know I'll be talking to you throughout the week, anyways. Um, but thanks for tuning Absolutely. in. Make sure you guys subscribe, like, comment, share it with your friends. You know, we do the Drinks and Dogs uh, podcast for free. So if you guys can just share it with anybody um, that you may feel like like it, um, more episodes coming soon. And also, Katie and I have another podcast coming up next week. It is K9SL Live. This will be predominantly based in the protection world, dog training, um, focusing on protection sports, you know, anything that deals with the dog biting and a uh, handler on the other end of the leash. So yeah, check that out, Katie. I'm looking forward to that one too. Me too, man. Me too. It's going to be good times. We got a lot going on. Yeah, all fun stuff. But thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Remember, like, share, comment. Uh, Katie, you have a great day, brother. You too, man. Good talking to you.